going on, everybody? This is Eric Guzman from Pearson's Peace, and you're listening to the SRD Radio Network. Hi, this is Jason Pinkett from Pucking Around and Spinning the Wheels on Sports Radio Detroit. Check us out every Sunday over on the SRD Hockey Feed on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. That's SRD Hockey in your search bar. New episodes every week. Because I feel like a salad tossing might feel good. What? (laughs) (laughs) Out of Bounds Detroit Podcast. Tuesday morning and Friday mornings here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. You're listening to CRBRadio.com. The words and opinions you are about to hear are of the hosts and do not reflect the management, sponsors, or affiliates of Cave Radio Broadcasting. Crossover! Step back! All right, welcome in, Min Sports Talk, right here on Sports Radio Detroit. Starting on time as always. A uh, bit snowy out today, so if, if you guys are out driving around, please be careful. Uh, just kind of a disclaimer here from uh, from SRD and Mint Sports Talk. It is it's it's what you'd expect. I mean, it's it's pretty bad out there. Not a lot of roads have really been that plowed yet. Uh, I saw a couple couple accidents already today, so pretty pretty big one actually by my house. So uh, so yeah, I mean, just just be careful. Just want to start off with that. Um, I have to change Facebook here. Okay, safe. Okay, so uh, so that's that's news number one of the day. As I'm sure a lot of you have woken up and already noticed that part of uh, of the news. The other news today is that uh, Salem Hockey will not be playing their outdoor game today, as for you know for obvious reasons. Uh, so we will not be down there today broadcasting that. Uh, the game, I would assume, will be rescheduled to a later date, but we'll wait and see on that. Especially because uh, it's a division game, too. Conference game. Conference, but, sorry, conference game, you're right. But, uh, but yeah, so, and they've already played Brighton once this year, but that was in the Cranbrook tournament. But, yeah, uh, I'm, sure it will, I'm sure it will get rescheduled, to be honest. I have no idea who was technically the home team. I'm sure they flip-flop every year, as they seem to do this outdoor game pretty much every year. So uh, we will wait and see on that. So, uh I tweeted out yesterday from the show, uh, the show's Twitter page, that it, it was supposed to be a, a shorter show today. It will, might still be a little bit of a shorter show, but because obviously, you know, putting together the show sheet, we planned on it being a shorter show, so we didn't, you know, we did not throw a ton of topics on the show sheet, but uh, still have a lot of uh, really good topics today, and I, I think a couple, a couple topics we could really spend a lot of time in and really dive into. So, um, I mean, we, we, we have uh, Kenny Galladay, 
talking about Antonio Brown and whether the Lions need him or not. Uh, there was an article in MLive the other day about the Red Wings setting a high asking price for Gus Nyquist and Jimmy Howard and how that could result in backfire in them not trading either of them. So obviously that is going to get discussed. Um, Manny Machado, rumored to get an offer this week. Some people are saying he didn't. Some people are saying he did uh, from the Chicago White Sox. So we'll get Roger's thoughts on that as it is kind of a kind of a low offer for a player of Manny Machado's talents. So, but we'll get into that. And then another story I want to get into that I saw in the free press yesterday that, you know, these are kind of stuff we don't really talk about too often, but you just, you read this article and it, it just kind of hits you. Um, Canton high school. And listen, we, we, we cover teams that play Canton high school. We don't, have a partnership with Canton High School ourselves, which is good because I'm going to say some things about Canton High School that are not too friendly. Um, but if you use an express by Jeremy, not necessarily for those SRD or sponsors. Exactly. But Canton High School, to just kind of set this up to talk about this later, Canton High School is an effing disgrace. And there are some people there that shouldn't have jobs anymore. And that's that's about it. So we'll, we'll get into that. As it, and it goes it goes perfectly with the times today. And it just it just shows that, you know, this and, and there was a commercial. There was a there was a razor company that came out with an Internet commercial the other day. People were, were mocking it, making fun of it and saying how wrong it was. Well, this topic kind of goes in with that with that commercial. So, by the way, folks, I have n- just to, to listen to the audience out there. I have no idea. I, I saw the show sheet, looked at it and I saw your tweet about it. And I was like fascinated because. I have no idea what he's talking about in terms of the uh, Kent, and so I'll be generally surprised. So, yeah, so we'll get into that. And then Scotty Pippen uh, said something about Zion Williamson, which is uh, interesting. So we'll get into that as well. But let's just start off with something kind of soft. Let's just start with the Kenny Galladay thing. So so Kenny Galladay was on night seven one this week. Uh, he was on the midday show, so he was with Homer and Homery. And <laughs> they asked him the question about Antonio Brown. You know, Antonio Brown obviously is not going to be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the future. And so the obvious question to Kenny Galladay was, well, would you want the Lions to go out and get Antonio Brown? Uh, And Kenny Galladay said, to be honest, I feel like the Lions are good where we're at. Uh, when, When asked about one of the homers about whether he would want Antonio Brown. Now, I'm going to kind of go back and forth on this because... When I first heard that, I thought, wow, kudos to Kenny Galladay. Because it takes a certain level of swag. It takes a certain size of stones to say that, to say that your team doesn't need Antonio Brown. And to be honest, the Lions need more players like that. They really do. The Lions need to kind of up their swag game a little bit. They need to up their football game a little bit as well, but that's uh, you know it's a different discussion. But I was actually kind of impressed that that Galladay said that. I really was, especially from a younger receiver who he's looked good, but still could you you know still needs a little proving. But you know we all like Kenny Galladay; he's a good player, and he's in a prime position to sort of lead this team in the receiving area in the future. But I, I was actually I was a little impressed. I really was. It was like wow. I can't believe a Lion player actually said this. 
and good for you guys because you guys deserve to kind of, you know, pump your chest up a little bit, even though you guys are terrible. But on the other end of it, he's completely wrong. You guys do need an Antonio Brown. You need a player like Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is one of the best wide receivers in, in the game right now. He's an absolute stud. You don't have any stud at any position. Maybe Darius Slay. And Darius is coming off a eh kind of year. But none of your none of your players at their positions are top three at top three player at their position. You don't have a player like that. Maybe Snacks Harrison's like top five, maybe. But Matt Stafford, no. Carry on, no. Marvin Jones, no. Golden Tate, no, when he was on the team. Zeke Alonza, no. Darius Slade, probably not. He's probably he might be top five. None of your linebackers are that great. Nobody else on the defensive line is that great. You don't have a player like Antonio Brown, who is just an absolute stud, a year-in and year-out Pro Bowl player and probably an all-pro player. You don't have a guy like that. You need guys like that. That's how you get better and how you win more football games with better players. So you need an Antonio Brown. I, I, I said last week that I wouldn't go after Antonio Brown if I was the Lions, so, which is why I'm not... I, I get, I'm, I'm kind of with Kenny on this. They don't need him specifically, but they need a guy like Antonio Brown. You need a stud. And that, that's why with that eighth pick, you got to hit on this eighth pick. And, and it was just, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and keep diving into this, but this is why I'm pissed that you guys win. And you guys blow your draft stock. And when people sit here and say, yeah, but, but we beat Green Bay again. Who cares? Who cares? You need stud players for the future. And wh- however better pick you can get, get it. You need stud players at every position level. Every position level, you need a stud player. So, I like what Kenny said, but we both know he's kind of lying. So, to go... T- and this is a quote that really, I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even make me mad. It just kind of makes me laugh. So uh, Galladay continued and said, no offense to Antonio Brown, definitely going to go down as one of the great, amazing players. Uh, but it's me, TJ Jones, Brandon Powell, Chris Lacey, Bruce Ellington. I mean, the list just goes on, and all of those guys have made plays this year. I have trust in those guys, and I know the organization does as well. Those guys, I... I if that's who you're counting on for your receiver for your receiving core, that's awful. That's awful. Kenny Galladay's a good player. I think I think we can all make that assumption after a couple years of him being in the league. Kenny Galladay's a good player. TJ Jones is trash. Brandon Powell has improved himself. I don't even know who Chris Lacey is. Like I, I really I, I I'm not I'm not bullshitting you. I'm not trying to make you know get dramatic about this. I honestly have no idea who Chris Lacey is. I don't know what number he is. I don't know how many catches he had. Chris Lacey could walk in the door right now. I would, I'd have no clue who he is. No clue who he is. Bruce Ellington's a nice third, fourth receiver, but let's be honest about ourselves here. And I like how he left out Marvin Jones. Yeah. Probably the best, probably the best strategically, receiver. Strategically. Yeah. He left out Marvin Jones. Probably the best receiver they have. But even that, Marvin Jones. I mean, me and Pap have kind of gone at it about this. I don't think Marvin Jones is like a top 20 receiver in the league. So, but if that if that's your receiving core, 
and listen, I know players are going to say this, that, oh, you know, all the guys in that wide receiver room, we trust each other. That's great. But when the lights come on on Sundays, your receiving core is not that good. I don't give a shit how much trust you guys have in each other. I don't care. I don't care how friendly you guys are with each other Monday through Saturday. On Sunday, you guys as a unit are not one of the better ones in the league. That's what matters. And since you have a quarterback who just can't seem to just put it together, you guys need better receivers. They're going to have to go out and sign a receiver this offseason. They're going to have to. And there's a lot of there's a lot of good receivers out there. There's not, you know, there's I don't know if there's really any great receivers, but this team, in my opinion, they don't need to sign a great receiver. You know, and Antonio Brown's a great receiver. Why I don't want him is for other reasons. It's for contract and age reasons and, and head case reasons. But, I mean, there's guys like Adam Humphreys, John Brown, Devin Funches. I mean, there's guys out there you can go get that would help this football team. I mean, you're not, you're not going to go out and get a number one receiver. You're not going to go out and get an Antonio Brown, a DeAndre Hopkins, a Julio Jones. You're not going to go get one of those guys. So go get a guy that fits well with Marvin and Kenny Galladay, and that's it. Go get a Devin Funches. Go get a, a John Brown. Go get an Adam Humphreys. Just go, go get a, a, I don't want to say a mid-level receiver, but go get a guy who's a number two, number three receiver on a really good team and just roll with it. But to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, you got, you got me, you got TJ Jones, you got Brandon Powell, you got Chris Lacey, you got Bruce Lange. I Dude, that's not, ooh, wait, what, are you, what are you talking about? That, that's, that, that's terrible. That's awful. I mean, he's sticking up for his guy. So well, I, I, right, you, and you expect that. Right. I mean, you know, props for him for that. But, I mean, from a fan standpoint, most fans probably don't know who Chris Lacey is. Is that Eddie Lacey's brother? I mean, people probably don't know who he is. I don't know who he is. Yeah, yeah, I've, no, I've never heard the name this season. Never heard the name this season. I, I'm very, very. It, it, maybe he's trying to make them make them names, you know what I mean. But at the same time, um, I think it's just. I don't know. Devin Funches, though. I don't. I don't know, man. As a receiver, as a guy who maybe is a third, second, he can't be a primary receiver at all. No, I mean he's he's definitely he's definitely not a number one receiver on any team, uh, on any teams with playoff aspirations. Uh, Chris Lacey suited up for two games this year. Didn't have a catch. Okay, uh, that takes care of that. Um, but, yeah, Devin Funches, yeah, and he's, he's kind of coming off a, a, a bad year. He didn't exactly have a great year last year, especially Lions fans are probably going to think that because one of his worst games was at Detroit. I mean, when, when the Panthers came to Detroit, he was terrible. So, no, he's not a great receiver, you know, on a good team. He's definitely a number two, maybe even a number three, but – you know, he's a guy who can come in here and contribute. And I know teams like to play this angle. He's a local guy. Went to Farmington Harrison High School, RIP the Harrison. Went to Michigan. You know, so there's ties there that could, you know, help in your PR department. But like I said, I mean, there's plenty of other guys out there. There's John Brown, Adam Humphreys. Uh, there's, there's a couple other guys that are escaping me at the moment. But there's, there's definitely guys out there that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg, but could come in here and help out. That's all I'm saying. That's better than Brandon Powell and Bruce Ellington and Chris Lacey, whoever that is. I mean, I, I like Kenny Galladay a lot. I think that dude's got a lot of potential in this league. I really do. Big receiver, goes up and gets it, good runner, seems to have some pretty good hands. 
I like Kenny a lot, but Marvin Jones, I mean, he's good. I don't know. I doesn't really move the needle for me too much. So, and then behind behind the two of them, to me, that that's where the pro, that's where it just really drops off. Behind Marvin Jones and behind Brandon Powell, that's where it just it it really really drops off to me. I mean, Brandon Powell, yes, he he has shown flashes. I will give him that. Slot, small, speedy receiver. And in today's NFL, you almost need a guy like that. You know, Bruce Ellington, yes, he has shown some flashes. You know, kind of that decent veteran receiver. Chris Lacey could have delivered my pizza last night. I have no idea who he is. It's the thing with some of these uh, hockey players sometimes when they come up to me and they'll say, hey, Roger, after the broadcast, I'm like, I don't know who you are. I want to see a number on you. Sorry. Right. I sound like an asshole. I'm not trying to be. Right. No no clue. Hey, kiddo. <laughs> hey, you. Right. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, chief. Don't say that, Roger. That makes you sound old. I know. I know. I am old. I'll just say it. That's fine. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, so no, I, I, listen, I, you know, just kind of wrap this up. Like I said, I, Hey, I respect Kenny for, for saying they don't need Antonio Brown. Like I said, it takes a, it takes a set of stones to kind of say that. But at the same time, we both know he's lying. We both know he's wrong. We all know he's wrong. They need playmakers. They really, really need playmakers bad, very badly. So, um, I guess just to kind of transition, uh, away from that, we can just talk about the offensive coordinator hire for a second, Daryl Bevel. Listen, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and scream and yell and get all bothered by it. I mean, it is what it is. Who, you know, we know what co- we know what Matt. I almost called him Coach Patricia. We uh, we know what Matt Patricia wants to do. I'm not surprised by this hire at all. Um, I guess I'm I'm kind of surprised because he doesn't have any ties to Matt Patricia or the New England Patriots, so that's a bit surprising. But outside of that, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to scream and, and kick and cry about it. It is what it is. This team is what they are. And this is what they want to do. And from what it sounds like, you know, for what they want to do, run the football and sort of play possession ball. Um, yeah, this is kind of like one of the better guys out there for it. Yes, I know. I know as soon as people say Daryl Bevel, I know what the first response you're going to get is. Yeah, but Jeremy threw the ball at the one yard line on Zuba. Yeah, he had a that was a really bad moment for him. That was a very, very, very bad moment. You should have just ran the football. Everybody in the world knows that. He tried to get cute against Patriots. It didn't work. You can't get cute against Patriots, man. It don't work. Like it, it don't work. <laughs> like you, you cannot get cute against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It just no. doesn't work. So yeah, he should have ran the football. Everybody in the world knows that. But they didn't, and they lost. I, I'm again. He had one bad play call in a, in a very, very, very crucial moment of his coaching career. Um, you know, we've all had bad days at the office. I'm not gonna kick and scream and cry because he had one really bad play call. I mean, no offense, you've never been to a Super Bowl, so I don't know why you're even saying anything. Um, so yeah, just try making the playoffs and winning a playoff game for starters. Let's let's get there. So, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and, and cry and kick and scream and pout and yell and, you know, berate Daryl Bevel about it. Let's wait till the season starts and see what the team can do first. You know, give yeah, at least give him a chance. I mean, I have no idea. And the whole, yeah, but Jeremy didn't work last year. I was like, oh, say something. I, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not going to sit here and get all pissy about it. I just... I'm not a fan of the Lions, so maybe that's why it doesn't hit me as emotionally as it has some fans this week, but I don't know. 
the team is what they are. They want to do what they want to do. They want to run, play possession ball, and, and have a really good defense. That's what they want to do. Matt Patricia does not want to air it out. Like you see the Rams and the Chiefs, you know, kind of some of the new offense trending towards. No, they don't want to do that. So why do you think they were going to bring in an offensive guy who plays that way? That's not what they want to do. Don't like it. Bitch about Patricia. Don't bitch about those. Yeah, they brought in. He's brought in because he fits what they want to do. I don't know what more you want. It's a simple thing. Lions fans have trouble with simple things, though. But so, yeah. So, yeah, they hired an OC, and I, I don't know. It is what it is. They hired what the fit they want. Not to mention, here's the thing that I didn't understand about Twitter with this kind of like uh, necessarily outrage per se, but some of the Monday, Monday morning quarterbacks, the, the you know, just trying to point out that how this is a bad, like this is not going to be good and is this going to really help Matthew Stafford's development? But it's at this point that Matthew Stafford's already who he is as a quarterback. There's no yeah. quote-unquote development. Conversation no, needs to I'm, happen. No, I mean there's there's different offensive schemes that might work better for him. Right. But when it comes, you know, pretty much when it comes to like a skill, like he is who he is. You know, right. he's not really gonna change. Like I said, you might change the offense a little bit that might make him look a little better, but he is who he is. And for a lot of twenty eighteen, he was terrible. I mean, he was awful last year. For a fan base that wants to say, you know, well, part of the fan base, because part of the fan base thinks he's terrible. But, you know, for, for people that sit here and say, oh, Matt's a top 10 quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Well, last year he did not look like it at all. Last year he looked pretty terrible. So, and I, you know, and I don't know. I've heard people say, well, maybe this is, you know, Bob Quinn kind of subtly showing how he really feels about Matt Stafford. He doesn't want to throw the ball around and, you know, give Stafford too much control. He wants to run the football and, you know, play possession game and win with your defense. Maybe that's right. I have no idea. If that's the case, though, you got to draft a quarterback this year and next year. If that if that's what you seriously want, if that's seriously what Bob Quinn thinks and he doesn't have much faith in Matt or I'm sorry he doesn't have yes he doesn't have much faith in Matthew Stafford and they just want to run the football and kill the you know kill the clock and win with defense and win 14 10 17 14 win games like that because he doesn't have much faith in Matthew Stafford then you gotta draft another quarterback bro like it's as simple as that you gotta start that now yeah if 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 you if that's your thought if that's how Bob Quinn's thinking that you know, hey, I, I don't think the Stafford guy's that great. Let's just bring in a, a OC that'll follow our plan and run the football and kill the clock. Then why the hell are you paying Matt Stafford $27 million? No one can ever answer that question. No. So if that's the case, you got to draft somebody. Like now. I mean, I know this, this draft class is kind of short on quarterbacks, but you got to draft somebody here soon. I mean, Matt, Matt Stafford's going to be here next year. He's got a huge, huge dead cap hit if they trade him this offseason. They ain't trading him this offseason. I don't care what anyone tells you on any radio station or any other podcast you listen to. They're not trading Matthew Stafford this offseason. He has a huge cap hit if they were to trade him. His dead cap hit is like $15, 16 $17 million or something like that. 
It's not like three, four million. It's a lot of money. They're not trading Matthew Stafford. I can promise you that. I would bet, uh, you know, as, as the old saying goes, I would bet the house on that. Yeah, that, that's definitely strong. It is. It is. So, but but yeah, they're they're not they're not they're not trading Matthew Stafford this offseason. So, but I mean, they have plenty of assets, and then shouldn't be. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So. No, it, the the only thing I gotta say about that too before we move on um, to about the Lions is the amount of times where I saw on Twitter people were like, "Oh, here we go, another offensive coordinator they could have had," and I didn't know we had so many offensive coordinator experts in this in the in the area that were talking about how many the, the hot take was among fan bases that they what is Matt you know Matt Patricia wanted? So did he want a guy who can air it out? Uh, you know, because the, the dump pass, Matthew Stafford was a master of the dump pass. Yeah. So I, I understand what Lions fans wanted. Yeah. Oh, and everybody, uh, for, for what you said to start, everybody's a OC expert. Everybody thinks they could do a better job. It's not, it's not easy. Plays. It's not easy just, you know, pressing uh, left, right, B, like you can in, like, Tecmo Super Bowl to call a play. You know, it's not as, it's, there's a right. lot of intricacies to it. I mean, right. playbooks are what, like, or as the kids call it today, Roger, Madden. Yeah. Man, you are aging yourself. Bad. I am aging myself bad today. I am. You said I'm Chief. A... You just said Tecmo. Yeah. Tecmo Super Bowl. Next thing you know, I'm going to give you uh, coming up. Coming next, oh, fiber can really help your diet. Right. Right. I'll be waiting for that plug in the, in the commercial <laughs> break. Okay. Before we go to commercial, though, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end on the Red Wings. So, Anzar Khan. Who writes for I'm Live? He's he's a beat writer for the Red Wings. I actually think Anzar does a a pretty solid job. He seems to be more active on social media than some of the other Red Wings beat writers because sometimes it doesn't seem like the Red Wings have any beat writers. In the Scarf, who was basically a PR person essentially, right? So, so Anzar Khan uh, wrote an article and it was about the trade deadline coming up, which is uh, just over a month away, February 25th. And obviously the Red Wings are in a spot where they're, you got to sell. You, you just got to sell. Sell your tradable assets. Get as many picks as you possibly can and, and move on. And, you know, we've had, we've had this discussion for about a month now. So you guys definitely know my thoughts on it. Um, but in Anzar Khan's article, he writes, The Red Wings, according to someone with knowledge of the situation, have set a high asking price for each player, uh, that being Gus Nyquist and Jimmy Howard. A first-round pick, they don't expect to get that for either. Okay. So if you don't expect to get it, how can that be your only, the only thing you'd listen to? Like, if you don't expect to get a first-round pick, you got to have, you might, you might tell teams, hey, we expect a first-round pick, but you got to know, you got to have that conversation with your team you know, with your with your front office, if we don't get a first round pick, are we still trading these guys? Which you guys should know my answer. My answer is hell yes, hell yes. Why why not? So if somebody comes at you with a you know a second round pick for Nyquist, maybe you can talk him into you know, hey, give us a second and fifth round or something. If someone comes back with that, why the hell would you say no? What are you going to do with those players? Keep winning games? I mean, if you trade Jimmy Howard, Jimmy Howard is probably the bigger one. If you trade Jimmy Howard, 
you will definitely lose more games than you would have with Jimmy Howard down the stretch. I don't have it, you know, I know a lot of people probably don't really watch a lot of Red Wings games. You don't have to watch a lot of Red Wings games. Just go to their just go to their stats. You guys know how bad Jonathan Bernier has been this year? Jonathan Bernier's been awful. He has been terrible. His save percentage is under nine, which is rare. That is bad. And I, I honestly liked the signing at the time, too. I think you and I both talked about how much we liked the signing, didn't we? No, I hate the signing. Oh, I know. I was the one that liked it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, hate, it. I hate the signing. It was a terrible idea. I, I, I don't see why. why. Why you have a veteran goalie, right, who's been with the organization for a while, because, of course, he, will, he would be the Red Wing. But you have a veteran goalie who's, you know, yes, he's had some injury problems, but uh, he's a proven goalie. He's a good goaltender. He has plenty of playoff experience. Not that that matters with the Red Wings right now. But why would you sign a veteran backup to $3 million? And I, I gave the numbers on it. Jimmy Howard is, I believe, in the mid-teens when it comes to goalie salary caps to cap hits. Jimmy Howard somewhere in like 15, 16 when it comes to cap hits by individual goalie. The Red Wings, however, are in the top four when it comes to team spending on the goalie position. And that's where I have a problem. You spend so much on your goaltenders, and your team's not that good. That's why I don't. I did not understand the, the signing of Jonathan Bernier, especially at $3 million. Now, I don't know how low you could have got him for. I don't care. But to spend $3 million on a backup goalie I, when your team's not that good to begin with, I didn't understand it. I would have signed a cheaper, younger goalie who's looking to prove himself. And this is not me to sit here and... and point and say I told you so I'm not going to sit here and do it but Jonathan Bernie has been awful he has been terrible there's no other way to put that but that's good because if you trade Jimmy Howard you have an awful goalie who's going to be your starter nobody else is going to take a starting job from Jonathan Bernie if Jimmy Howard gets traded I'll tell you that right now nobody I don't even know who would get called up to back up Jonathan Bernie I really don't they might sign somebody I honestly have no idea so but you have to trade Jimmy Howard. You have to trade Jimmy Howard. You, I mean, I, I, I understand, but, you know, hey, but if there's no one who wants him for his salary, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't believe that. There's got to be someone out there that would want him. There has to be. He's a veteran goalie with plenty of playoff experience who's having a really good season right now. There's got to be a team out there that would take that. Goalie is like that one position, man, where if you got a good one rolling into the playoffs and he's playing really well, you got a shot. Like, it don't matter if you're the first seed or the eighth seed. You got a goalie who's just rolling. When it comes playoff time, you got a shot. So, you got to, if, if you're a team that's looking to make the playoffs, you got to go get Jimmy Howard. Especially if you don't have that solidified number one goalie, you got to go get him. So, I, it, listen. They want to set their sights on a first-round pick. That's absolutely fine. But if you get a second-round pick for any for either of those guys, you gotta take it. You absolutely gotta take it. If 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 February twenty-fifth passes and they haven't traded either of those guys, Ken Howard Ken Howard should be fired the day after. You gotta trade those guys. You have to just get the assets. Even if you pick up two second-round picks, that's guess what? That's better than none. 
You know what two second round picks is better than? Zero first round picks. I mean, this is sound like not trading either of these guys because you won't get a first round pick. This sounds like some Lions bullshit. This sounds like something some Lions fan would come up with. It don't matter. You're getting you're getting assets. You're getting draft picks. Yes, it might not be exactly what you wanted, a first round pick, but who cares? You're getting two lottery tickets. One of those second rounders could be a very good player. I mean, hell, I'm not going to sit here and go down the list, but Henrik Zetterberg wasn't a first-round pick. Datsuk wasn't a first-round pick. Those guys were sixth and seventh-round picks. And, yes, they were drafted a long, long, long time ago when European scouting wasn't as great as it is now. But still, there are plenty of guys that come out of the second and later rounds that are still very good hockey players. You have to trade them. I don't give a shit if you don't get a first-round pick. If you're just going to get a second-round pick for those guys, you got to take it. You absolutely have to take it. And then Anzar Khan talks about re-signing both of them. I wouldn't sign Gus Nyquist again. I, 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 I just probably wouldn't. Because I know what Ken Holland's going to do. If they try to resign Gus Nyquist, he's going to give him some fat four or five year deal. Gus Nyquist, I believe, is already already twenty nine, if I'm not mistaken. I want to look that up because I want to be right. Yeah, he's twenty nine. He turned twenty nine in, in September, so that means at the start of next season he'll be thirty. And if you give him a five year deal, I would not be a fan of that. I'm sure he'd have a no-trade clause, because why wouldn't he? It's, it's the Ken Holland special. It comes with the Ken Holland, Ken Holland loyalty program. You get too many years, too much money, and a no-trade clause. And 10% off any meal at any Hockey Town Cafe. Oh, wait, there's only one. Right. Now, re-signing Jimmy Howard, I'm all for it. I, I've said that before, I'm all for it. Give him a two, maybe three-year deal. Pay him like four or five million bucks. Yeah, I'm all for re-signing Jimmy Howard because who else are you gonna who else are you gonna get to start for this team? I mean, I, I I don't see any better options with where the team is at. You're not trying to contend. Next year you might be trying to make the playoffs. Might. But but the way it is, you're still in rebuilding mode, so why not just re-sign Jimmy Howard? You don't have anybody in the pipeline that's ready to come up. So I would just re-sign Jimmy Howard. So makes, but, sense, makes sense to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, who they have in Grand Rapids right now? Goalie-wise? Yeah. I mean, no hot prospect that's, you know, to put it in your terms, Roger, there's no Bo Burrows, there's no Matt Manning, there's no Casey Mize. There's none of them in the goalie system in your prospect department. 
You don't have one of those at the moment. So you might as well just roll with Jimmy Howard again. It's a shame. I, I thought there'd be somebody in down the pipeline. I thought they had at least somebody that was showing some sort of promise. No. See, in Anzar Khan, later on in this article, he, he lays out why re-signing Gus Nyquist might be a little hard. Uh, they like his skills, but it would cost an excess of $5 million per season on a three- or four-year deal to retain him. Contract aside, they will have a logjam of young top six forwards with Larkin, Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi, Andreas Anthony-CU already in that role. Michael Rasmussen projected to get there, and prospects Philip Zadina, Evgeny Svechikov, and Joe Valeno possibly being NHL-ready next season. Exactly. That's part of my, that's part of my point here. That's why I'd, I probably would not resign Gus Nyquist. You have guys that can take his place. They might not be, they might not contribute as much as him next season, but that's okay. I'm not, like I said, I'm not looking to win a Stanley Cup next season. But it's just to me, it's the money more than anything. I don't want to pay him five plus million dollars for another few years. I don't. I'm you know I'm sorry, but it's time to move on. This is this this right here. This is where Ken Holland has the issue: letting go of players that have been with the team for a while, that have come up through the ranks with the, with the organization. This is where Kenny Holland has a problem. And this right here is where Kenny Holland is going to be put in a tough decision. Because I don't think they should resign him. And I think a lot of I, you know, fans, I have no idea where fans stand. I mean, the Red Wings talk isn't exactly hot at this point in time. But... This is where Ken Holland, be, you know, rolls out that loyalty program and is going to hit Nike with a, with a fat four a year, five and a half million dollar deal with a no trade clause. You can book it. If they resign Gus Nyquist, that's what it'll be. I think you think he's gone though, in terms of like just. Uh, you think he's still in Seattle, Ken Holland? You still think that? You have to think about that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, because part of me says no. Because I, I think his contract... I think his contract will be up in two years, and I think he won't be the Red Wings GM anymore, but I think he's going to get a nice <laughs> job in the Red Wings organization. You know, I think he'll he'll get some VP role or president role. I believe he's already something. He's got some other title other than just general manager. But, yeah, part of me says no. I think he'll stick with the Red Wings in some, you know, front office senior advisory role <clears throat> for Steve Eisman. But the other part of me kind of says, you know, I could see it. Maybe getting one last, you know, one last shot at building a team. Seattle's near where he's from. He's from uh, British Columbia, Canada. So Seattle's right there. So I don't know. But gun to my head? No. I don't think he'll be Seattle's GM. You don't think so? No. So all, that, all those rumors for a while? Um... I mean, I think the rumors are valid. I'm not going to sit here and say the rumors are you know, you know wild speculation. I think the rumors are definitely valid, and I definitely see the reasons why. But I don't know. Part of me just thinks no. I don't think he'll do it. Like I said, I think he'll get a nice cushiony job in the Red Wings, you know, front office. And, 
you know, they'll bring in whoever, Ryan Martin, Steve Eisman, I have no idea. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's Steve Eisman for sure. But, no, I don't think Ken Holland's going to take the Seattle. Not not take, not not take the Seattle job. I don't think Ken Holland is going to become Seattle's general manager. That's just my opinion. So. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, on the other side of break, we'll discuss this uh, Canton High School thing. We'll get into uh, the Manny Machado situation, maybe discuss a little NFL playoffs. Um, again, just, you know, before we had to break, just want to throw that disclaimer out there. Drive very carefully today, everybody. It's it's pretty bad out. You know, we've all already seen a couple accidents on the road, so make sure you, you know, drive cautiously. You know, try not to get too close to other people on the highway. And if, you know, don't, don't be that asshole who's still doing a speed limit out there. You know, don't be that asshole who's still doing 80 on 96. Just drive carefully. I mean, it's not, you know, I don't want to sound like a damn DUI commercial, but it's not worth it. It's not worth, you know, speeding to whatever store you're going to just to get there quicker and risking an accident. So drive carefully. Uh, if you do have car problems today, though, or maybe if you do get into a little bender bender, go to Advanced Auto Center in Redford uh, where they will take care of all your car repair needs. Uh, Advanced Auto Center is located in the area on uh, 8 Mile between Beach Daily and Telegraph. You can go there, and John will take great care of you. They they are top of the line. They don't bullshit you, which is so so crucial today when it comes to getting your car repaired because a lot of places, they just don't care. They're just going to bullshit you, tell you you need things you don't really need just to squeeze those extra bucks out of you. John, don't do that. And we all know this is not the time where you have those extra bucks to give out. So go to Advanced Auto Center right now. They're, they're on a mile between Beach Daily Telegraph or give them a call at 313-535-0500. Check out our friends at Advanced Auto Center in Redford. Check engine light on? Do you need new tires? Brakes squealing? Need a new alignment? Our friends over at Advanced Auto Center in Redford will be able to take care of any of your problems. They're located at 25167 West 8 Mile Road between Beach Daily and Telegraph in the heart of Redford. Call them at 313-535-0500 for any of your problems. Tell them Mitten Sports sent you and get 10% off. Advanced Auto Center in Redford, your place for your auto needs. All right, Fred, so the people at Sports Radio Detroit want us to cut a promo for Parsons and Slow. I want them to cut me a check. For Parsons and Slow. Well, um, I've I've Googled some keywords and I'm going to uh, put them here in a promo. So so here it goes. Ready, Fred? Yeah, uh, analytics away. Parsons and Slow. We have the content consumers crave. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere else that podcasts are available, or we'll kill you. We won't really kill you. Just listen to our podcast, brand new, every Friday on Sports Radio Detroit. Okay, I'm ready to do the promo. Oh, that was it. All right, welcome back. Mitten Sports Talk right here on Sports Radio Detroit. Uh, again, no Salem hockey game today as the game was postponed due to obvious reasons, uh, the weather. So uh, when it will be rescheduled, that is TBD. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, no, just there goes face. Oh. Um, but yeah, so 
Salem and Brighton outdoor game at Clark Park today will not be happening. So this is why we we do get to extend the show out a little bit. Uh, we were originally going to go to um, about noon, maybe twelve fifteen ish, and then head out. So, but the game has been rescheduled uh, for obvious reasons. So even though it would have would have been cool to uh, call the game in in this type of atmosphere, I actually don't mind it. I kind of enjoy it. I know a lot of people don't, but I actually kind of enjoy it a little bit. So obviously it would have been tough to keep the equipment all, you know, dry and warm and all that because the equipment uh, can kind of go haywire on us when it gets super cold. And obviously if it gets wet, obviously it it definitely starts to uh, cause some problems. But so we will uh, will hopefully be out there sometime soon. Yeah, it'll get resolved. And, and yeah, with the gear – we noticed this when I was talking to Jeremy before the show. When the gear gets a certain temperature, it starts uh, the wireless starts dropping and just gets a little it, it gets a little nutty. Yeah. So and it, you know, I I I will say I will say this uh, when it comes to Salem hockey, and uh, I'm sure Coach Ostermark would probably agree with me on this one. He probably doesn't mind that this game gets rescheduled because now Salem has the whole weekend off and it. Gives them a couple weeks to kind of get healthy again and, and whatnot. They've they've been they've been missing some players so due to injury. So I'm sure Coach Hasmacher will will uh, kind of you know be a little happy about that. Even though you always want to play the outdoor games, always fun atmosphere. But to to get your team healthy, start start winning some games. So it's it's crazy. I was I was looking at the schedule, you know, cause, uh, and and sort of getting ready for for today's game. And Salem has lost their last three games. Uh, like I said, you know they've had they've had quite a few injuries, um, but also their last three games might be the three toughest teams they play all season, and that includes the playoffs. I mean they've played Lavoni Stevenson, very good team, uh, Saint Ignatius, very good team out of Ohio, and Heartland. So they've played three extremely good teams in a row, and the results obviously weren't. Weren't the prettiest, but you know it, it was still good for for the guys. And you know, like I said uh, last weekend when they played Heartland and St. Ignatius back to back days, I mean they were missing like five, six players due to injury. And I mean to, to get you know, and some of them were some key players as well. So to get guys you know who are maybe towards the bottom of your line chart, you know, get them some some really good experience, get them some some really good playing time, you know, to gear up for the playoffs. So. And you know what's what's crazy is St. Ignatius was the number one well is the number one team in the state of Ohio. They've won the last three state championships down there and they were, you know, they're still the number one team in Ohio. Heartland going into that game last week is the number one team in the state of Michigan. So Salem played the number one team in both Ohio and Michigan back to back last weekend. That's pretty that's pretty insane. So and to lose four nothing and three nothing with the with the roster that they had to work with, that's that's pretty damn impressive. You know, I know you look at it face value and go, yeah, but Jeremy got shut out. You know, both games four nothing, three nothing. Yeah, but still, I mean, when you look at the roster and you're playing the best team in the state, that's pretty damn good. There's a lot of a lot of other teams in this state that would have fared way worse than that. So kind of kind of props to, to Salem hockey and, and like I said, hopefully they get healthy over this next week and and can uh can get back to, to really rolling here. Okay, so Canton High School. 
who is on the same campus as Salem. So Canton High School has a lawsuit filed against them uh, for not uh, protecting one of their own students. So a 17-year-old girl is filing a lawsuit against the Plymouth Canton Community School District and is accusing them of mishandling uh, her numerous sexual harassment complaints, uh, which led to a suicide attempt by her, and she now can no longer go to school, uh, partially due to the school itself, which is something I hate and we'll get into, but is also, also partially due to just anxiety and stress and not feeling safe at her own damn school, which is embarrassing for the school. So the plaintiff is a 17-year-old girl who says she was stalked, bullied, and sexually harassed for 16 months by an ex-boyfriend during her freshman and sophomore year at Canton High School, where she was an A and B student and a member of the award-winning marching band. According to the 31-page lawsuit, the girl and her mother made 10, 10 complaints to the school about the boy, but nothing was ever done. One school officer allegedly told the mom, quote, kids will be kids, while another told the mother he thought her daughter was lying about the harassment. Um, the girl's attorney, Jennifer Salvatore, said the fact that this district would let this kind of egregious harassment and bullying go on for as long as it has is astonishing to me in this day and age. They made 10 complaints. They had to get a, a personal protection order. I think sometimes litigation is the only way to call institutions' attention to the fact that they have legal responsibility here and the kids' lives are at stake. Uh, tragically, this girl's suicide attempt was not an isolated incident. Three Plymouth Canton High School students have taken their lives in the past year. Uh, the lawsuit states adding the district's failure to address gender-based harassment could well have cost another student her life. Um, Okay, so to, this is going to be kind of a long read. So if you guys need to, turn the volume up and pay attention. According to the lawsuit, here is what led the now high school junior to sue her school district over a boy who allegedly taunted her for more than a year to the point of wanting to die. In the summer of 2016, just before the start of her freshman year in high school, a 14-year-old girl started dating an older boy from Salem High School, which is part of the Canton Plymouth School District. All three schools... Canton, Plymouth, and Salem are all on the same campus. There's a bunch of, there's, you know, they all go to classes together. It's not like Canton has one building where all their students go to school together. Plymouth has theirs and Salem has theirs. No. All three go and mix in with the classroom. So it's different than your standard high school, but that's what it is. Uh, the relationship was short-lived. In August, after three to four weeks of dating, they broke up. Then the school year started. Um, when she returned to school, her ex-boyfriend began to stalk and intimidate her by calling her names like slut and whore in the hallways, flipping her off and waiting for her outside of her classrooms. At a football game, the boy allegedly hurled the same insults to the girl as he pointed at, as he pointed at her and shouted vulgar names while she played in the marching band. In December 2016, the girl went to her counselor and filed a complaint after learning the boy had told one of her friends that he hoped she, quote, gets raped again. During their relationship, the girl had confided in the boy that she had been sexually assaulted when she was a toddler, information he would later taunt her with. After the girl went to the counselor about the rape comment, the counselor called her mother and told her that she would, quote, handle it. The school principal also called the mother to apologize and said the school would, quote, handle it, according to court documents. The boy was verbally reprimanded. 
Two months later, at a school dance, the boy taunted the girl again about being molested. In front of a large group of students, he looked at the girl and yelled, I hope she gets raped again. The following Monday at school, the girl reported the harassment to her counselor. The principal and counselor called the mother again and said they would take care of the situation that the boy had been warned to stop. Two verbal reprimands. No Title IX procedures were taken. Then came complaint number three. Throughout March 2017, the boy continued to verbally harass the girl in the hallways, wait outside her class, and follow her around court records allege. Uh, on March 31st of that same year, the day before spring break, he and his friend flipped the girl off and called her a whore, an incident that was captured on surveillance video. Then came the incident that broke her. During spring break, the word whore was written in dog feces on the garage door. Her home was egged and toilet papered, and all of the tires on the car parked in the driveway were flattened. After break, she reported the incident to her school counselor. A school resource officer said an investigation would follow. Meanwhile, the girl was plotting her suicide. Days after the graffiti incident, the girl researched how many Adderall it would take to kill herself. She located a family member's prescription bottle, swallowed dozens of pills, and posted on social media that she had taken the pills and wanted to die. That same morning, despite the toxic levels of drugs in her system, she went to school, attended two classes, and spent four hours walking around with friends as she was too agitated to sit in class. While wandering confused around the school, three school personnel saw her, but no one sought medical attention. At the end of the school day, her friends got her on a school bus, though she has no recollection of how she got home. Her mother noticed something was wrong, realized what happened, and rushed her to the University of Michigan in the hospital. Upon arrival at the hospital, the girl's kidneys were shutting down. She hallucinated for several days, but doctors were able to stabilize her. She was then admitted to a child psychiatric unit where she spent two weeks de detoxing and receiving therapy. On April 19, 2017, when the, while the girl was hospitalized, a school resource officer contacted her mother to discuss an incident in which the boy and his friend had flipped her daughter off at school and called her a whore. The officer said he interviewed the two boys and determined, quote, kids will be kids. He did not know about the suicide attempt, so the mother informed him. The officer said he would write up a report. To date, no report has ever been furnished to the girl or, or her mother. In May 2017, the girl and her mom met with school officials to discuss a plan for her to return to school. Her class schedule was going to be changed to make sure she did not have a class in the same building as the boy and she'd have access to a Zen room and counselor whenever necessary. So let me get this straight. I'm going to stop right here, and we'll continue on in a second. So let me get this straight. This boy is harassing her, calling her a whore, drives the girl to swallow a bottle of Adderall pills in a suicide attempt. The girl comes back to school a couple months later, and you're changing her schedule so she doesn't run into the guy? No. No, 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 no. You change his schedule. I'll get, we'll get into that in a second. On May 4th, the girl returned to school. Two weeks later, the boy approached her, walking next to her on a path in the hallway and up the stairs. The girl went to the office and reported the incident. Her mother called the school again. More than three weeks later, a school official emailed the mother and said an investigation would be underway, but that she would not disclose how the boy was being disciplined. Meanwhile, the girl kept running into the boy at school. On June 2nd, she filed a police report with the school resource officer detailing the harassment. But the har harassment would continue the following school year, even though school officials assured her that the boy would not have any classes with her or be in the same building. Her sophomore year, on the first day of school, the boy followed her to classes. He then showed up at her band activities and stared at her. On September 18, 2017, the, the girl and her mother attended a meeting with school officials during which the girl, quote, repeatedly informed everyone present that she, she did not feel safe at the school. The next day, the boy crossed paths with a girl between schools, came up close to her, and shoved her into a metal fence, bruising her hand. 
After the incident, the girl stopped attending school out of fear for her safety. She was treated for anxiety and depression and returned to school weeks later on a lighter schedule. She started taking online classes and wanted to continue marching in the band, though she was told she was not permitted to be in the band if she wasn't in school full-time. In early October 2017, a school resource officer asked the mother whether she wanted to press charges against the boy for slamming her daughter into a fence. The mother said yes. That same month, her mother petitioned the court for a personal protection order against the student, which was issued later that month. On Halloween, the mother followed up with Canton police to find out the status of the investigation involving the metal fence. Police told her the case was never was the police told her that the case was closed for a lack of evidence, though her daughter had never been interviewed by police or anyone else. Meanwhile, back at school, the stalking continued. The boy would show up in hallways and stare the girl down. School officials suggest the girl take a different route through school to avoid him court records say. Okay, again, so the school is suggesting that the victim change her life to suit the boy. On November 2nd, the boy passed the girl on a path between schools and grabbed the sleeve of her sweatshirt. She reported the incident to school officials with her mother on speakerphone. That was complaint number 10. Uh, on November 8th, a school resource officer called the mother to tell her that he had concluded his investigation, that he felt the girl had lied. Moreover, he said that he believed the girl was deliberately trying to run into the boy by showing up to school early. The officer allegedly threatened the girl that if she filed another, quote, false report, the school would press felony charges against her. The girl and her mother had enough. They filed a complaint with the Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights, and the government opened an investigation last year. The lawsuit followed alleging the school district failed to protect the girl from ongoing harassment and assaults, uh, scarring her emotionally and academically. Currently, the girl is not able to attend school because of anxiety and stress related to the harassment. The district has offered her 10 hours a week of off-site tutoring, but won't let her participate in marching band. I mean, this, this, is, this is incredible to hear. And I mean, this is incredible to read and, and reading this and, and I have no, I, you know, I've, I've obviously read some stories like this. I have no idea if the difference was the location of the school because the school is obviously in, in the metro area. Both my parents went to uh, Canton and Salem High School. We cover Salem High School, who is obviously right next to Canton. We cover teams that play Canton in sports. So maybe that had something to do with it. But this this is unbelievable. And Canton High School is a fucking disgrace for letting this happen. And anybody who had a part in helping this young girl, the counselors, the principal, the school resource officer, should all be fired. They should all lose their jobs because you failed this girl. And you helped lead this girl to believing that the best option for her was to die. And to be honest, I know counselors go through some tough shit. But I don't know how you could live with yourself being a school counselor where you are helping young and fragile minds know that you played a part in a girl trying to kill herself and continue working there. And you shouldn't be continue working there because you should be fired. You should be fired. The principal should be fired. And the school resource officer should be fired. All three of you should be fired today. And the fact that she, the girl, had to change her life and her schedule up so that the boy could continue on with his happy life is embarrassing. And another reason why you should all be fired. 
She had to change her schedule. She had to change her schedule. The victim in this instance had to change her schedule so that the boy could continue on with his happy life because, God forbid, why mess up his education, right? That boy shouldn't have to change his schedule because he shouldn't have a schedule because he should be expelled. The fact that he was never even suspended is incredible. He should not be going to Canton High School or Salem High School, which is where he goes to. He should not go to any high school right now. He should be expelled. And to be quite honest, since he assaulted her, he should have charges brought up against him. But this is embarrassing. And this, this, this is incredible. And I, I can't believe this continues to happen. My question is, too, if you have proof and that she's done, if he's done this, how do they not think that the lawsuit wouldn't come of this? You know what I mean? Like, how does the school not sit there and go, what's she going to do? You let it happen. You talk about this, you live in an era now that talks about preaching about no bullying, no anything. But then you have social media amplifies things by, I don't know, 500 times. And add that element to it, too, perhaps. And (laughs) there's nothing they're going to tell me. They say, well, she's this or whatever. You're going to tell me, well, we don't believe her. If she brought it up to you multiple times and nothing was done and you have no logical explanation, if you say, well, she has the reputation of being this or that, Fuck it. That is ridiculous. She's 14 years old. 14 years old. And, of course, we're not going to give her any names or anything, obviously, because of the, the court issue. But I, I, I can't think of why they wouldn't. Like, is it her parents or something? What? Why? Is he somebody, a, a family member or somebody or some sort? That's all speculation. We can't say, but this is, this is terrible. Counsel, grief counselors, and I used to see a counselor in high school. I get it. You're right. Their job is hard. It's it, it, insanely hard. But if you give iota, if you give one iota of your students, you should be investigating every lead. You should be like a detective, follow up, and you let the kid continue to do it. I'll see her. If, you know, unless she, short of her being a psycho or a psychopath or a chronological, or I'm trying to think of the word, um, path, pathological liar. Yeah, thank you. I, I, clearly, she's not. If they're taking this in a lawsuit, right? What the hell is wrong with you? It takes literally five minutes. Take that. You, you change her schedule, but not the kid's schedule. All that do, and the schools are next to each other. Put yeah. them in the school. Exactly. So, right. Yeah, because I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, changing the schedules is a bullshit. Uh, way to go about it to begin with, because yes, all the schools are right next to each other. What do you think he wasn't just gonna maybe go out of his way to run into her? It's not like it was a three mile hike for him to go stalk her, right? I mean, what did you think was gonna happen? Oh well, we'll just we'll just put you guys in different classrooms. It'll be okay. No, it won't be okay because he'll still find her. 
I mean, this this is. I mean, and, and you know what? I think this is why school shootings kind of hit home a little harder for most people because school is like the one place for a child that you're supposed to feel safe at. Like you're at school. Yes, you are there to learn, but it's like one of the places where there's like this aurora over it that, hey, I should feel safe here. I'm at school. And she doesn't. And one of the things that she loves to do, marching band, she can't even do anymore because of the school. Because the school is a disgrace. And the article doesn't really go into where the kid is now or what's going on now, but how that kid would still be in high school at Salem is incredible. That kid should be expelled, without a doubt. That's that, a, that was going to cost him in the long run. What's that? It's going to cost the school in the long run. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are going, what the hell? Right. Right. And then it's just kind of ironic because this week a razor company comes out with an ad about men doing this and men using that excuse. Well, boys will be boys. And people had an issue with it, that it was wrong, that you're stereotyping men. Well... Kids will be kids is pretty close, isn't it? It's pretty close comparison to boys will be boys, right? And that's what this school told a little a little girl who was getting harassed and assaulted. Oh, kids will be kids. Right. But that's stereotyping, though, so you can't do that. You know, and it's funny because, I mean, I, I didn't see everybody's complaint about it, but... Man, it seemed like a very specific demographic that complained about that commercial. Yeah. Seemed like a lot of white women complained about that commercial. Really? Oh, that's, what did you think? Why would why would they complain? Well, you, you said, yeah, who did you think? They would complain about the commercial? Yeah. It's white dudes. Oh, I thought I saw a lot of white women complain about the commercial. Why would they complain, though? Uh, I don't know, because not every guy's like that. Oh, which they're not. Not every guy is like that. Yeah. But maybe we should start using the stereotype. Maybe I, it would get people to change their minds. Especially white people having to complain about that. Oh, white guys aren't, you know, guys aren't like that. I love how white people complain about that because your group stereotypes everybody. Everybody. So... I'm fine. I'm almost, you know, to a degree, I'm almost okay with the stereotype because I kind of want, I kind of want it to drive home because maybe it'll affect some change. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But something's got to change, man. Like, I mean, this is just, I, I, I couldn't believe reading this. And I, you know, I apologize for the long read. It, it's a long read, but it's a longer read. But I mean, I'm just reading this and I'm just thinking like, holy shit. And I get to the part where they made her change her schedule. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Why is she changing her schedule? She she shouldn't change her schedule at all. 
And then they force her to not go to school. Oh, well, you can take online classes. All right, what? Why does she have to take online classes? She's the one who doesn't feel safe. Maybe you should take care of the problem of why she doesn't feel safe. I mean, that, that's the problem. People don't want to deal with the issue. They want to make the issue go away. How can we make the issue go away? Oh, we'll change her schedule. Oh, this issue keeps coming back up. Uh, we'll have her take online classes. The issue will go away. We won't have to deal with it anymore. Right, you won't. But that little girl will. Some of the comments on this story make me just stop. And that's the thing. You, you know, yes, I know it's only one of the in- incidents, but you have video in you have video evidence of the kid doing it. So hopefully this kid gets what's coming to him. Hopefully he gets expelled or arrested. In Canton and Plymouth Canton community schools, you better you better have that checkbook ready. Cause I hope I hope this girl and her mom and her lawyer, I hope they come hard for you. I hope they come to take every penny they can get. Because they deserve it. There's one. There's a comment that said, "Where was the girl's father?" Why do people? Why do people do say that every time? Why? I don't understand. I don't understand. Where was the father? You don't, do you know what happened? No. Then shut the fuck up. Right. Oh man. So. All right. Where do we go from here, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, there's really no easy transition from that story. Um, so Manny Machado is still being courted by uh, a select number of teams. And uh, a rumored offer came out this week that he was offered seven years at 175 mil by the Chicago White Sox. By the way, this story made the UK Daily Mail it's a daily mail in UK. The Canton story? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it got national. Oh, yeah. I could see this getting bigger. I really could. But this you, is one of those stories that can really, really get big. So if you haven't heard about this yet, I would definitely suggest going to freepress.com and finding it. Freep.com. But, yeah, I would not be surprised if you hear about this down the road from larger media outlets. Yeah, it's already on the U.K. I mean, Daily Mail is one of the biggest online new publications out there. Right. That's, that's, that's amazing. So, so, yeah, so Manny Machado offered um, seven years, $175 million by the Chicago White Sox, which the White Sox have always kind of been a, a player – in this uh, in this signing, but Roger, I, I I feel like that's a little low when you look at the annual salary. Now, obviously, guys like Bryce Harper and and Manny Machado, they're looking to get you know three hundred mil. You know, that's kind of kind of the what what they're looking to get. I know Bryce Harper was looking for four hundred million. Good luck with that, but. I think both these guys are looking for 300 million. So if if he so if the offer for 175 mil over 7 years, that puts you at 25 million a year. 
Roger, that would be tied for 13th highest paid player in baseball. He would be tied with Joey Votto, Jake Arrieta, and the Tigers' own Jordan Zimmerman. (laughs) Uh, So aside from that cliff note of hilarity, Roger... I mean, is this the White Sox lowballing him? Do you think Manny Machado's going to get much more than what the White Sox are offering him from any other team? You know, I mean, it, it's kind of a surprise that guys like Machado and Bryce Harper are still free agents as we're a month out from, from uh, players reporting the camp. But, you know, we, we kind of saw this last year with free agents. I mean, J.D. didn't get signed for a very long time. But do you think this is kind of a low offer for Machado? Well... You know, I, I'm reading a lot more about uh, there's a great article in Deadspin talking about the this is the fourth time in the last 50 years that the average salary for the MLB players has gone down. I don't think he's going to get the money he wants or he thinks he's worth, which is 300 million, 200 million, because I mean, the Nationals gave Bryce Harper 10 years, 300 million. He said no, so the Nationals are like, we tried. Machado, on the other hand. It falls in the same kind of category. There's no team. The teams are doing this because they don't want to pay. They're not going to pay. I mean, look at the the deal the Yankees begin their bullpen. Uh, Adam Adavino. Adavino. That's a cheap deal. Adavino is one of the best relievers in baseball. He just got a little more. Craig Kimball's still out there, but that offer right there, whether it's true or not, because they're they're downplaying it. A lot of players are getting pissed. Uh, even Langoria has come out and said, you know, publicly, we need to stand up to this and what have you. The owners are not going to budge about this. The owners are not going to change. They have so much math and science at their disposal right now. They literally could hire any. They've hired people from Harvard or Ivy League schools to do the math. And there was a the average they waited out to. The owners are not out to win. They're out to make profit. And they, they talked about the average amount. Per something, his worth is six point seven one million dollars based off wins and value, and they're, and they're talking about even having getting rid of revenue sharing with players or for teams, and then teams just can make their own. So that offer is probably adds up to be what they think is he's worth because they're not going to like they're not going to feed in Scott Morris anymore or Scott Boris they're not going to feed into the agent frenzy anymore the white Sox can give him that deal he doesn't take it they're just going to still move on as a slowly progressing team right i'm tired of the yankees being pushed over oh, the yankees are going to be gonna, if they would have if they would have um won him they would sign him already right I mean, yeah, if you, if you hear some of the rumors out there, the Yankees are still in the mix. Uh, They're in the, the mix for everybody. I hate that narrative so much. Right. Uh, but, yeah, guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, I mean, they're looking for three $400 million deals, which would put them over $30 million a year because that's more what I look at. I look at more what do you get paid per year, not so much what your total salary is. But uh, there are seven players who make $30 million a year. Um, if we had more time, I'd quiz you and see if you could name them, but I don't have time for that. Um, what was the question? There are seven players who make $30 plus million dollars a year. Oh, okay. Off the top of your head, I'll make any name. Uh, Scherzer. JD. No, 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 no. He got a little bald. So, um, Miguel. 
Pujols. Oh no, it just makes just under thirty million. Um, there's one that plays for the Yankees, right? No, no, um, Boston. Oh, uh, Hanley Ramirez. No, it's, it's contract. It's, 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 there's one positional player you're missing, and it's super obvious. And then you're missing four pitchers. Does it? Does he play short? No. Oh, first base. No. Second base. No. Third. Center field. You said position. Like I thought you meant infield. No, position player. Oh, oh, uh, center field. Oh, uh, Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout. I forgot arbitra- I forgot the, the arbitration thing. That's why. Uh, pitcher wise, I'm gonna have to say thirty million in the, in the thirty million category wise. Um, crap. Not Jordan Zimmerman. No, he's uh, not yeah. far down. No, <laughs> oh, he's close though. He's close. Oh, good gravy. Um, Jacob Degrom. No. Is all NL pitchers? Three of them are. Three of them are. One's for the Giants? No. Maybe really? I thought you'd be better at Oh, that. Clayton, all right. well, Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is one of them, yes. Okay. So are we still going NL West here or are we going with Cubs? Oh, it's, I just said NL, but um, yeah, the one, one is in the West. The other's in the East. The other's in the East? You probably, I, you probably won't get it because I feel like he signed his contract a few years ago, and he's not... He doesn't play like he's making. Is it Cole Hamels? No. Oh, I did. I, I give up on that. Steven Strasburg is the top paid player at thirty five million. Oh, yeah, Zach Grinky is number three at thirty one right. and a half, and then David Price is tied with Clayton Kershaw at thirty one. No. So. Albert Pulis, yes, makes twenty eight million a year. So, but. Uh, but yeah, and 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 that's the crazy part about Manny Machado too, because Manny Machado, I mean, he's got all the tools, man. He can hit, he can play defense. Um, not a great runner, but you know, a solid runner. You know, hits for power, can hit for average. I mean, Manny Machado is almost five tool player. You know, Bryce Harper, yeah, he struggles with the average every once in a while and the OBP, but I mean, he'll he'll hit you thirty thirty five bombs every year. You know, can steal bases, can play. You know, can play in the outfield. And it, yeah, it's just it's crazy that these guys can't get contracts. It's crazy just from the the simplistic fan standpoint, you know. Like JD last year, JD Martinez, it took him forever to get signed, and it, and it you know back even then it was crazy to think about because it's like this is JD Martinez, this is a dude who'll hit you three hundred forty bombs every year. This is a three hundred forty and one twenty guy uh, almost every year. Yeah, he's not great in the outfield, but that's all right. He can DH. You know, and it, it's crazy that these guys just don't, you know, these guys aren't getting signed. But, you know, like you said, the owners just don't want to pay them what they think they're worth. So, I mean, you you know, one would think that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, they got to sign eventually. You know, we're a month out from, from you know, players reporting the camp. Like, you got, yeah, it's, like what are you going to do? Sit out the year if you don't get the... And that's what Longoria was saying. There's less than 30 days, and a lot of these guys are still not being signed. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, and that's, that's the crazy part, because 
you know, most free agent class, most free agent classes, right? You get the big dogs. Yeah. You know, so like for this year, you got Bryce Harper, May Machado, two of probably top fifteen players in the game, and the guy, you know, the guys that are under them, more often than not, wait for the big dogs to get their contract, so then they can, so they kind of set the market a little bit, you know, because guys under. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are hoping that those guys get 300 and 400 million so that they can look and say, well, hey, he got that. I should at least get this. Craig Kimball is going to go back to the Red Sox. I think he's a free agent by title only. I don't like, the, yeah. but he's especially after the Yankees just signed out of Eno. I think Kimball is definitely going to go back to the Red Sox. I'm really, really pissed at the Cubs fans for ripping on Theo Epstein. For what? Did you see that? No. So he, let me pull up the article. There's an article I'll pull up too, but he was getting ripped on by Cubs fans for not doing enough in the offseason so far. I don't know get the exact. Um, he, I guess the fans were frustrated with him because they was the, during the Cubs uh, convention, fans are mad that he hasn't done more in the offseason, that he should be doing more. Um, they're also mad that uh, Edison Russell's getting a second chance. That one is... Yeah, it's kind of controversial. That one's at least understandable. Yeah, but but his wife his wife signed off on it. His wife's like, I approve of the second chance. Um, he's not blind. He said he's not... Bl- he, we have to be excused for being excited because we know we're op- really optimistic about the season. But I completely get it from a fan standpoint. I know there's a lot of questions out there. I actually really appreciate that. To have fans who are just as passionate about baseball and winning and about the Cubs as we are. And they're, they won 95 games. Everybody kind of forgets that. Even I did. But, um, well, and to me, I mean, my first thought wasn't even that. I mean, my just, just a quick history lesson here. Roger, before a few years ago, when was the last time the Cubs won a World Series? Over 100 years ago. Oh, okay. And who was the GM of the Cubs' last World Series? But no, the the most recent one. Oh, Theo Epstein. Okay. Just saying. Yeah. I'm really, really miffed because uh, I saw on Twitter too people grilling Cubs fans about it, and rightfully so. I if I if it's it's just the same rhetoric as Tiger fans right now. I'm in a Tigers form right now, and this is Detroit Tigers form, and I wish really, I wish I really wish sometimes it wasn't. Because some of these fans are just like, the ticket prices are not worth this team, and blah, blah, blah. It's a family of four. It costs $500. Stop. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I hate that. And that's a stupid fucking argument. That is stupid. And, I, you know, here, okay, here's, here's why it's stupid. One, if you go to StubHub, you get, two, you get four tickets for probably under 40 bucks. Okay? Parking, 20 bucks. So you ride around there, about 60 bucks right now. Okay? Who says you have to spend... I don't, what else do you spend at the ballpark? Oh, he has to get a pennant. He has to get food. No, you don't. You can go down to um, there's a place Budokras Grill. I mean, well, and I was thinking, even if you get like a hot dog and a pop, that's what ten bucks a person. Yeah, you know, so you're like in their forties, so there's a hundred. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. When I hate when fans talk about that. That's stupid. That's dumb. You don't have to spend that much money at a ballpark. No. When I go, usually when I go with Chris or I go with the, some of the Tiger guys I hang out with or whomever, 
I always get something in the ballpark to eat. I spend about 20, 30 bucks, and that is it. And I'll sometimes play 50-50 if I'm feeling lucky. That's it. Right. So that narrative about justifying, like, you can't spend that money, but then meanwhile you go and watch the Lions go and sell out every stadium. It makes no sense to me. And these fans with a fake outrage, it, I think it's just, it's just ridiculous. I'm not watching this garbage team. They're, they're, they're uh, disassembling and da-da-da-da. Don't watch. Don't watch them, but don't. Do that, don't do that griping out loud crap about fan tickets and they don't care about the fans if you want. It's going to take time, folks. Chill. Whether Alavila knows what he's doing or not, we'll see. It has yet to be determined. But right now, as it stands, it takes a while to rebuild. The Tigers have had their minor league system stripped a few times in the last four or last ten years. Right. It's going to take some time. Oh, yeah. The covers are bare. I remember how many times you see during the pennant run that when they get injured, they would be screwed. Yeah. That's the price you pay with, with working with the devil. And you worked with the devil, Dave Dombrowski, for a long time. And that's, you, that's Dave Dombrowski's M.O. I'm going to strip this covered bear, but I'm going to give you a really good chance at a title. But you're going to pay the price when I leave. I mean, he drafts guys certain profile that will raise up pretty quickly so they can trade him as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart guy. No, he's and great. He, and he's good at what he does. He's damn good at what he does. He's going to probably go in the Hall of Fame for what he's done. Right. But there's a price. Yeah. There's a price. And it, and, the, and especially because the price, it, it's, it lasts a while. You know? It's not like just one season. Oh, shit. We're bad. Oh, we'll just regroup next year. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. When you don't have anybody in the system to bring up and contribute right away, you're in trouble. That's what's different about baseball. This isn't football. This isn't hockey. It don't take guys a year or two to really get there. It takes guys two, three, sometimes even four years before they're really up and helping you, helping your, your big league team. I mean, look at Matt Manning and Bo Burrows. This will be what their third year in their minor league system. Yeah, uh, or second, third, third, third. Yeah, and people are still saying it's going to take them another year or two. I mean, Casey Mize, your number one pick, and he's a uh, according to MLB or baseball prospects. I think or Baseball America, he's going to be a fast riser in the system. That's your number one guy right now because he's the closest to oh, what they think is ready. Oh wait. To see, but even Casey Mize, it wouldn't surprise me if it took him a year or two to really be up here and contributing. I mean, didn't the White Sox have a pitching prospect at Giolito? Wasn't he awful the first half of the season? Yeah, and then the other one, um, and he like, he kind of got better. Yeah, but then but a shoulder, he would, he blew yeah, out shoulder, yeah, right. So no, oh, Kopchak, I'm sorry, Kopchak was one that blew out a shoulder. Right. I mean, I listen. If I don't, I, I you know. Being on a team and, and helping the team are two different things. Lucas Giolito was not helping the White Sox this year. No. His ERA was north of five. You know, it was. I'm sure it was great for him to get the experience, but outside of that, he was trash this year. Do you want Casey Mize, you know, to get up here sooner to look like that? I'm sure there's a debate in there, but like, I, there's a difference between helping the team win and being up here. So... Yeah, you're Matt Manning, you're Bo Burrows, you're Paredes, you're Casey Mize, uh, Jake Rogers. 
Well, uh, you know, I'm sure Roger can definitely go down the list for you guys, but a lot of those guys, they're still a year or two away, maybe even more. So, and this will be what year three of sucking? <laughs> yeah, it's right. Gonna be, it's gonna you're be already, a while. You're already two years deep, and you might be another couple years. Jake Rogers is probably honestly about a year away. I mean, he's gonna his bad hat. His defense is top one of the best defenses, defensive catchers in all of minor leagues right now. Right. But I, I, I love when people do that. You know, we're going into the 2019 season. People be like, oh, but what's your 2021 starting rotation right now? It's like, who cares? You don't know if any of those guys will be up here. Yeah. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's going to be Matt Boyd and Bo Burrows and Matt Man. And that's say, like, you know, the, the, like, oh, you know, the one that was really pissing me off was how many people were talking about uh, um. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Cody Clemens is the future second baseman. He hasn't played above Lakeland yet. Stop. Right. Because yeah, you know, he's off to good. You know, he's off to good start. Same to Brock, De- uh, Brock Deferidge. Yeah, Brock. Deferidge. Sweet name. Great name. Great name. But until you get to Erie, great. Name. You can't say it. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. Parades. Like Parades. I think you can get hyped about because he hit very well in Erie. He's only nineteen. Right. The Rays, by the way, have a shortstop. Who's already top five in prospects in baseball? Guess how old he is, Jeremy? 18? 17. Yikes. He'll be turning 18 in a couple weeks. Yikes. 17, Jeremy. Yikes. He hit in rookie ball last year, eye popping numbers. He's seven fucking teen. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen. He was he has his comp numbers are better than Vlad Guerrero in the same age. Be- junior, Vlad- better than Vlad Guerrero Junior. I hope we see that guy this year. I hope so too. Toronto, I, uh, Toronto's definitely going to be a lot more fun to watch. By the way, that was one of the worst stadiums I've ever been to. By the if way, he's on the team. It will be. Yeah, he should be on the team. He's the man. Tell you, man. When we were we were at West Michigan, I'll never forget it. Chris and I were talking to Jacob Jacob Robson, and I'm sitting there watching, like talking and. So Vlad's up the bat, and you—I mean, his bat sounded different than anybody else. It was like whack, crack, crack. Just every ball, just smoke show, just all over left field. Every ball was just over the fence, or just just beating the death. He was playing for the lug nuts at the time. It was—it was one of those things where, like, you could hear it. Like, I—I I always thought what people were really saying that, like, I heard that crack of the bat, I knew it was all bullshit. No, 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 it was real. Touching your feelings. Yeah, well, you're you're tearing it up like that, for sure. All right, so speaking of uh, tearing it up, the NFL championship weekend is this weekend as the NFC and AFC title games are tomorrow. Uh, first will be the NFC title game at 3 o'clock. Rams heading to New Orleans to take on the Saints. Saints are favored by 3.5. Raj, I, I, it, it's just so hard to pick against the Saints right now, especially at home in the Dome. I know last week wasn't very pretty. They were down for most of the game and had to climb their way back, but still it's just it's so hard to pick this, pick against the Saints right now. So I, I will – I definitely got to go with the Saints. I think the Rams are, are definitely going to give them a good fight. The, the Rams' defense has been – you know, it's been eh the last few weeks, but I think the Saints are going to – I, I think it's just too hard to beat them at home right now. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Gosling, a.k.a. Jared Goff, I think he's he's getting better. He's made some very good strides. 
you you like his progress as a QB. Sean McVay's thirty when he got hired. He's done great work, but it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be like this offensive explosion. I think it's gonna be a very low scoring game though. Seventeen ten. I know Patrick gave me a weird look, but look at the average scores the Saints have been doing the last couple of games. Right. Um, but you're right. I, I, you can't. The Saints at home are like it's just they're they're another planet. It's like New England at home. Right. Which they're not. New England is at Kansas City tomorrow. Chiefs are favored by three, so two close lines for tomorrow. Uh, weather is supposed to be playing a pretty big factor tomorrow. It's supposed to be just utterly cold in Arrowhead Stadium tomorrow. Um, snow as well could be a, a pretty big factor, but this is a tough one because the Chiefs took the Colts to pound town last week, and the Colts didn't play very well. And the Patriots also took the Chargers to Pleasureville. And I, I, I just, it's so hard, man, because it's like you, you don't want to bet against Tom Brady. Like, you want to pick Tom Brady, but at the same time, you know how well uh, the Chiefs have been playing. But the Patriots are 3-5 and five on the road. I think the Chiefs are going to do it. I think they're going to knock them off. I think it's going to be a very, very, very close game. Uh, the Patriots have not played particularly well in Arrowhead in recent years. Um, they're three and five on the road this year. All five of their losses come on the road. I, I just, I don't know. I know Andy Reid, and I know the the stigma with Andy Reid. He chokes in the big moment, but I just think that team's too good. I think there's too many weapons. I don't think the Patriots' defense is, is great, even though they really kind of shut down Phillip Rivers in that offense last week. I think this is going to be a different animal for them. Um so yeah, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Chiefs here. I don't know. Uh, I didn't I didn't really listen to you guys for the road show. So I don't I don't even know who you took. I took I took the Patriots because unfortunately it's it's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is so good at scheming, and it's no against Patrick Holmes or anything, but it's just that's what I think. Okay, excellent analysis. Well, uh, it's <laughs> only here's another thing too. When you give enough time and consideration, enough time to Patrick or Bill Belichick to scheme against anybody, he's really good at beating you. But Tom Brady, that experience, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be. It's been good in the spotlight so far, but this is the biggest game of his life, right? As of right now, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, who I really want to win, the AFC side, I don't really care. It, I, if the Patriots win, I'm not going to be like, duh, why, why Patriots always got to win? Uh, like, I don't really care. I mean, if the Chiefs win, I don't really care. I, I care more about, about, about the NFC. Drew Brees is my boy. I love Drew Brees. Um, I'd love to see him get a second title. So I, I hope the Saints win it all. I hope Drew Brees kills it. So that's who I'm kind of more rooting for. Like I said, AFC, I... I don't really care one way or the other. So, all right, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Don't forget to go to sportsradiotrade.com. Check out all of our written content and all of our wonderful shows. If you want to listen to any past Salem High School hockey games, just go to sportsradiotrade.com. Go to SRD Prep where you'll find all the Salem past games and all the other schools that we cover. Uh, don't forget to go to iHeartRadio. Podbean, iTunes podcast app, pretty much anywhere you find 
any of your favorite podcasts, just type Sports Radio Detroit or your favorite SRD show in the search bar, and you will you will pop them up. And don't forget to leave us a review, give us a rating, let us know how we're doing. We're always looking uh, looking to evolve here at SRD. So let us know any feedback you got. And then finally, if you or someone you know owns a business of any size, any size, it could be uh, landscaping, snow and plow company. I mean, hey, snow and plow company would, would do really good for advertising right now uh, if you look outside. Or it could be a bigger business. It really doesn't matter. As long as you or someone you know owns a business, tell them about uh, partnership opportunities with Sports Radio Detroit. We work with any size budget, any size business. We will We will put together a package that will work for both sides and benefit both your company and Sports Radio Detroit advertising on our site, free pl- well, not free, but plugs in our shows, plugs in our high school broadcast. We broadcast five different high school sports teams, so plenty of audience there and different audience as well all over the local Detroit area. We cover Livonia, Plymouth, Canton, Ann Arbor, Downriver, Wyandotte area, so we cover all over. So you'll reach out to a lot of people, a lot of people from around the area, and hopefully it'll benefit both both sides so email us at sportsradiodet at gmail.com talk to roger talk to ben like i said they'll work with you they'll set you guys up and it'll be good for both sides yeah i just ask our friends over at advanced auto center it's paid off for them as well so that's right it doesn't cost them very much and uh if you want more details just let us know so we'll see you next week and be careful out there if you listen to us live and if you're not and you're driving around and the remnants of the stuff godspeed Oh, God.